This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Half a heart, bring the dog. That's all Mike has in his life. He's got nothing else. Best friend stolen. A community on the lookout for a dog taken from a panhandler. I think it's just pure vandalism. The Grinches of Langley, thousands of dollars worth of Christmas lights destroyed by vandals. And farewell to a king, a retirement send-off near Victoria. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday. It was supposed to be a town hall meeting in Vancouver to discuss Canada's move to a greener economy, but the topic quickly shifted to labor legislation. Union members took over the event designed to gather input ahead of a UN conference on climate change. Nadia Stewart reports. If you ask these protesters, they will tell you the Postal Service can lead the way in the push towards a greener economy. By installing uh, Canadian-made solar panels, converting the fleet to electric vehicles that are union-made here in Canada over time, and retrofitting the buildings. And when we think about just how many post offices there are, this is actually a huge climate change plan, and better than anything the Liberals have proposed. This demonstration is part of a national day of action, driven by the Canadian Union of Postal Workers and other labour groups. Protesters say the Liberal government's back-to-work legislation targeting unionized postal workers quashed all of their green ideas. It's why they're confronting Vancouver MP Joyce Murray. We can't do that when you undermine collective bargaining. You can't do that when one side can't actually negotiate. And there is still do you know how long the Harper government waited 18 18- Murray eventually heads inside where a town hall meeting is being held ahead of COP24, the UN conference on climate change, something those here say more Canadians are taking seriously. I mean, it's inevitable. If they don't care about it now, they'll care about it soon enough. Well, I would say that we're committed to meeting our climate objectives and we are doing just a whole portfolio of things. That includes a carbon tax and accelerating the phasing out of coal. Canada is sending a delegation to COP24. Experts say we need to be even more forward-thinking. We should be doing more to develop our renewable energies, so more hydroelectric, more wind. Clearly, the government still has work to do to reduce carbon emissions. This is what democracy looks like! And to reduce the tension. Nadia Stork, Global News. The scramble has been on today to get the city of Langley ready for tonight's big Santa Claus parade. A challenging job at the best of times, but it's been made even tougher this year by vandals. Our Julia Foy is in Langley tonight. Julia, it seems these Grinches have a thing for Christmas lights. Absolutely, Jordan. Now all the people around me, hundreds of people are lining Fraser Highway to watch the annual Santa Claus Parade. Everyone we've met today says how much they love all of the Christmas tree decorations. Unfortunately, there's at least one Grinch in this community who's been throwing shade on some Christmas light displays. I think it's just pure vandalism, which is a real shame. 
planted in 1977. Langley City Deputy Mayor Gail Martin is frustrated that vandals have been hitting Christmas light displays all over town. This tree at Douglas Park was the latest target to have its cord cut. Staff have spent uh, hours trying to replace them. We're at a point now where we have no more replacement lights. How long do you need? Uh, just to get to the table. City electricians have been working around the clock, trying to keep up with the damage. Maybe about 50, and sometimes you have to repeat the repair that you did, but for the most part it's uh, one and done. The cost of repairing and replacing the Christmas lights is expected to top thousands of dollars, and taxpayers will get stuck with the bill. It's horrible. It's honestly so terrible to hear. Uh, yeah, I can't even believe anybody would even do that. Christmas is a magical time of year, and someone tries to cut it? It's kind of a dick move pretty awful that somebody needs to feels the need to do that and kind of ruin the experience and cost the whole community more money to get it get it going again. Langley staff are reviewing security cameras around the city. Anyone with information is asked to call the RCMP. But city staff say they won't allow a Grinch to steal Christmas. Workers spent the day preparing for the Santa parade and tree lighting Saturday night. And so far, the lights are all shining bright. It's just so uplifting to go, down, go through the downtown area, including Douglas Park, and just seeing all the Christmas lights. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, the party here in downtown Langley will go on for a couple of more hours. Now, if you'd like to catch Santa tomorrow, be sure to head to Vancouver, where TELUS is presenting the annual Santa Claus Parade. Now, they're expecting up to 300,000 people, so be sure to leave yourself enough time to find parking. Uh, if you would like to watch it from your own home, Global will be streaming the parade on Facebook, and then a recording of the parade will be aired again and again during the holidays on Global. Back to you, Jordan. All right, thank you. Julia Foy reporting live tonight in Langley. Homicide investigators now say a Surrey man shot and killed earlier this week had ties to the drug trade. 41-year-old Ranjeev Sangha, well-known dance promoter, known for encouraging young people to showcase their talent, was gunned down Monday morning in Newton. The shooters fled the scene in a black sedan. A vehicle of the same make was later found torched in Richmond. Police say Sangha did not have any gang ties, but did have connections to drug activity. I hate investigators um, have learned information from our policing partners outside of BC uh, that now leads us to believe that Mr. Sangha was associated to drug activity. Um, although the exact motive has not yet been confirmed, we believe that uh, Mr. Sangha's association to the drug trade uh, may have may have played a role in his death. If you've spent any time in Vancouver's Hastings Sunrise neighborhood, you've probably seen Mike Lorimer. He's a well-known panhandler who sets up in front of Donald's Market. But on Friday, when he went into the store, someone stole his dog. Jill Bennett now on efforts to find Mike's best friend. Michael Lorimer is desperate to find his dog Misha after the Chihuahua Cross was stolen on Thursday evening around 6.30 in front of the church's chicken in Donald's Market on East Hastings. I went into church's chicken washroom at the back. My do I left my dog out on the street with the cup and a bag and I came back and the dog was gone. Oh, I'm so sorry. Lorimer is a fixture in the neighborhood. He's been panhandling in this spot for years, supplementing his disability payments after a car accident caused a spinal injury that has left him in a wheelchair most of the time. Misha is his best companion. She's very important to me. She's moral support. 
and she's good therapy for me. Several local residents have befriended Lorimer. Carol Wilson was dropping off food for Misha on Saturday and was shocked to hear the news. It's just really tragic. Uh, they stole his case before and the dog wasn't in it, but now they've stolen everything. It's just, it's just heartbreaking. It really is heartbreaking. So if somebody took that dog, it's Christmas, have a heart and bring the dog back to Mike. That's all he, that's his family. That's all he has. I see the dog here all the time. You know, my, grand, my grandkids just love that little dog. My dog was stolen. The dog? Come on. Devastated. Lorimer is spreading the word as much as he can. He says his apartment just up the street is empty without Misha. He's also reported the theft to Vancouver Police, the SBCA, and Animal Control. I've lost my wife and my parents. Um, it's the only thing I got left. Jill Bennett, Global News. It has been a tense 24 hours for residents of Anchorage, Alaska, who were rocked by a magnitude 7 earthquake Friday. More than 230 aftershocks have hit parts of the state since, but most have not been strong enough to be felt. Most of the major damage has been to highways. Amazingly, there have been no fatalities or serious injuries. Much of that, authorities say, is because they were prepared for the big one. When you know that you live in earthquake country, you build accordingly. You shouldn't be surprised when the buildings withstand the kind of shaking that we had yesterday. So I think a lot of being prepared is making sure that you have the right structures, you have the trained building and construction um, industry that we have, and it makes a real difference. Meantime, another quake struck off the coast of Vancouver Island overnight. The 4.7 magnitude shaker happened just after 11.30 p.m., roughly 270 kilometers northwest of Tofino. There are no reports of any damage or injuries. A move by a North Vancouver high school to deal with vaping students is not sitting well with some students and their parents. Seacove Secondary is locking all student bathrooms except for those on the main floor and the gender-neutral washroom. In a bulletin sent to parents, the school says it has seen an increase in vaping. So much so, kids are texting each other in class and arranging to meet in groups to vape. Locker rooms will also be locked at all times, except at the beginning and end of class. Welcome back to the News Hour. Tributes are pouring in from around the world for former U.S. President George H.W. Bush, who died yesterday at the age of 94. One of the four eulogies to be delivered at his funeral next week will be from his longtime friend and former Canadian Prime Minister, Brian Mulroney. Eric Sorensen reports. The flags at half-staff at his Texas library, George H.W. Bush is being remembered today for his achievements as the 41st U.S. president. Aggression is defeated. The war is over. He was at his most popular after leading a coalition of countries to victory in the first Gulf War, Desert Storm. At the time, he looked like a shoe-in for a two-term presidency. It would have capped one of the most impressive political resumes in American history. For starters, who could match this campaign moment? George Bush piloted a plane just like this in World War II. He was shot down over the Pacific and, remarkably, was rescued and the rescue was caught on film. His seemed like a charmed life. Bush was son of a senator, a sports star at Yale, and became a millionaire in the oil business. He went to Washington as a congressman, then ambassador to the United Nations, then director of the CIA. You like all this? <laughs> Don't pick too early, Jason. That's my only advice to you. By the time Bush ran for national office, the one knock on him was, he's dull. I was never as boring as you thought, frankly. 
He was tapped by the immensely popular Ronald Reagan to be his vice presidential running mate. And that paved the way for his own successful bid for president. He was very popular. This is crack cocaine. Waging a war on drugs at home, helping end the Cold War abroad, and leading a successful war against Iraq. But then there was the economic recession. Read my lips. No new taxes. He had to renege on that promise, and as the economy faltered, Bush, a man of privilege, looked out of touch with ordinary life, such as his amazement at a grocery store scanner. Instead of one final triumph, Bush fell into the less distinguished category, presidents who failed to win re-election. I salute my predecessor, President Bush. The man who always seemed to land on his feet was knocked flat. A one-term presidency doesn't begin to capture the outpouring of goodwill towards the 41st president. Perhaps it was the stark contrast he represented to the politics of today, because above all else, George H.W. Bush is being remembered today for being a decent man. Eric Sorensen, Global News. More details emerging about the Liberal MP who quit because of big gambling debts. The Prime Minister's office revealed last week Raj Grewal was resigning because of a gambling problem. We've since learned he's under RCMP investigation and sources say he's more than a million dollars in debt, having borrowed money from as many as 15 people and businesses. Grewal says he has repaid those debts and is now reconsidering his decision to quit politics. As part of an exclusive investigation, Global News has found Canadian law enforcement agencies know much of the illegal fentanyl coming into Canada is produced in Chinese factories. But diplomacy may be getting in the way of doing anything about it. Mercedes Stevenson reports. In public, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau has praised China as a partner in fighting the fentanyl epidemic. But behind the scenes, police sources tell a different story describing deep frustration over China's refusal to do more to stop the flow of fentanyl into Canada, and a diplomatic standoff that pits national security against Canadian lives lost to fentanyl. Sources warn that without action from Beijing, the opioid crisis will become much worse. China is the main source of fentanyl on Canada's streets, according to federal sources, and the drug and its chemical precursors are produced in Chinese factories and shipped out of Chinese ports to Vancouver. Sources say China is unlikely to act unless Canada caves on a key demand, but it is one that risks national security and human rights violations. China recently applied to have a police liaison officer sent to Vancouver, but sources say the Canadian government rejected the request over concerns the liaison worked for Chinese intelligence and was coming to Canada to spy and locate Chinese nationals accused of corruption by Beijing. Sources say Canada's refusal angered China. Chinese agents have entered Canada before under false pretenses, conducting covert operations on Canadian soil to track down alleged criminals wanted by the Chinese government. Senator Vern White, a former police chief, says it's time for the government to consider punitive actions against China, like sanctions. If China doesn't want to start uh, targeting some of their own corporations, we need to identify that there will be a penalty that the government pays if they don't do their job. Foreign affairs critic Aaron O'Toole says the government must do more. There are lives at stake here. This isn't a regular diplomatic negotiation. And if we can't get that, the government should push, push hard and make a public statement. Today, the Prime Minister insisted the Chinese are working well with Canada. 
China has been actually working with Canadian officials and Canadian law enforcement over, uh, over the past months uh, to take uh, measures on the flow of fentanyl into Canada. Trudeau admitted the opioid crisis is getting worse, but wouldn't comment on the possibility of sanctions. Those seem unlikely, though, given Canada is pursuing a free trade deal with China. Mercedes Stevenson, Global News, Ottawa. The G20 summit has wrapped up in Buenos Aires this afternoon, with world leaders discussing how to cooperate on issues from climate change to free trade. Our chief political correspondent David Aiken reports on how our prime minister directly confronted the leaders of Russia and Saudi Arabia. There's no question that the big event this weekend in Buenos Aires for Justin Trudeau and for Canada was the signing of the new NAFTA. That's very important to Canada. But so is Russian aggression in the Ukraine or the murder of a journalist by Saudi-led operatives or the Saudi-led war in Yemen. Issues around uh, Russia and uh, Crimea specifically. Prime Minister Trudeau and United Kingdom Prime Minister Theresa May, a one-on-one with two allies united against the two bullies of this summit. One of those bullies, Russian President Vladimir Putin, has played the role of villain at these summits for years. The latest aggression, Russian military forces seizing three Ukrainian naval ships in the Sea of Azov. I took a moment uh, to speak directly uh, to President Putin, uh, impressing upon him uh, our uh, concerns with the situation in the Sea of Azov uh, and the uh, Ukrainian sailors that have been uh, taken prisoner. Uh, asking him to release uh, those Ukrainian sailors. Then there's the summit's newest bully and Putin pal, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman of Saudi Arabia. The Saudi ruler is believed to have been complicit in the murder of journalist Jamal Khashoggi. And Saudi Arabia is coming under fierce criticism for prosecuting a vicious war in Yemen. Trudeau confronted bin Salman directly about both those issues. Highlighting that Canada would always stand up Uh, strongly and clearly for human rights. Still, Western democracies are likely to need the weight of the United States if we're going to see change in Crimea or Saudi Arabia. And right now, the U.S. President, Donald Trump, seems less interested in censoring Putin or bin Salman than he does in prosecuting a trade war with China. David Aiken, Global News, Buenos Aires. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the News Hour. They've been a workhorse for the Canadian military for more than half a century. And today, a retirement party was held in Victoria for the Sea King helicopters. The send-off included a parade and a fly-past of the B.C. legislature. Kristen Robinson has more. The Sea King is going out in style. Three of the helicopters doing a final fly-past at 443 Squadron 
where pilot Don LeBlanc will never forget his first flight 33 years ago. It was nerve-wracking, but it was also exciting, especially when you do your first touchdown and everything is good. The search and rescue Sea Kings marching into retirement. After more than 55 years as the workhorse of the Royal Canadian Air Force and some 550,000 flying hours. At 100 knots an hour, that's equivalent to 7,200 uh, laps around the globe. It's been a good machine. It uh, did everything that we needed to do. If you have a job to do, you call us. And then uh, if we can't do it, then nobody can because the Sea King is so versatile, she'll do it all. Uh, if anything, the Canadian Armed Forces have shown how to fight with helicopters from the back of small naval ships and to do so in absolutely appalling weather anywhere around the world. Recently, the aging aircraft plagued by mechanical problems. In 2003, one crashed on the deck of a warship. In 2012, another made an emergency landing in the middle of a Halifax business park. The mission to replace the Sea Kings with Sikorsky Cyclones hit with delays and cost overruns. It's going to be bittersweet, yep. for sure. Saluting the Sea King for some, like saying farewell to an old friend. LeBlanc will also be calling it a career after his last flight. I'm retiring my wings with the aircraft, a bit of as an homage and a respect that the old girl always brought me home. So um, it'll be a bittersweet moment. Um, it'll be very emotional. Um, there's no doubt about it. Kristen Robinson, Global News. In Health Matters, it is the 30th anniversary of World AIDS Day. And while we have made great strides in fighting the disease, we have a long way to go. With more than 9 million people worldwide unknowingly living with HIV, this year's global theme for World AIDS Day is Know Your Status. BC has been a world leader in AIDS research since the early days of the epidemic, led by Dr. Julio Montaner and the BC Centre for Excellence in HIV AIDS. Montaner says global research funding has actually leveled off over the past seven to ten years. We're in a reasonably good trajectory, we're in a reasonably good position to deliver on the promise of the science, but with the current uh, level of financing and commitments, we're not going to make it. And if we don't make it, that means that uh, uh, our next generation, and in fact the next generation after that, are going to be burdened by an AIDS pandemic that did not need to exist. Fishermen in Steveston coming together today for a popular annual fundraiser for BC Children's Hospital. The herring sale for kids with cancer was held at the Steveston Seafood Auction. Fishermen unloaded 60 tons of herring ahead of the sale, where the public can grab a 20-pound bag for $15. Since 2011, the event has raised more than $550,000 for children undergoing cancer treatment at Children's Hospital. 100% of revenue goes to the cause, with all costs covered by the province's commercial fishing industry. Nobody is unaffected by cancer. We get some feedback from people that have, that have been, their lives have been um, made a little bit better or a little bit easier with this uh, as they're suffering through with a you know 13 year old child or eight year old child or it's been helping with these donations that have gone to the hospital is that santa claus yes it's santa claus oh up on the housetop reindeer paws out jumps good old santa claus 
It is the official start to the Christmas season in North Burnaby today. The Light Up the Heights Festival included carolers, cookies, and hot chocolate for the whole family. Santa and his helpers then flipped the switch at Fire Hall Number 5 to light up the lights along Hastings Street. And it's time to lace up your skates. The Robson Square Ice Rink officially opened for the season today. The popular Vancouver winter tradition is free, but visitors are encouraged to make a donation to BC Children's Hospital Foundation. The rink will remain open until February. Skate and helmet rentals are available on site. Always a fun thing to do there, Vaughn. Beautiful first day of December, as we <laughs> mentioned, but before we look ahead, let's look back. Yeah, so let's take a quick check on what we did see for November, and it was a wet one. Uh, Temperature-wise, still 7.6, uh, slightly above the average of 6.3, but we had 211 millimeters of rain for the month of November, above the average that sits at 189. And days with rain, it looks, we were, it looks like we were on par. We only had 10 days without rain, so we're hoping to see a different weather picture for our December. Today, though, comfortable, 8 degrees. We did start off with a few isolated showers. It's eased off. It'll be much drier for the latter half of our weekend. We were close to the average for this time of the year, but not quite record-breaking. A low of minus 13 was set back in 1985 and a record high 14 degrees in 1958. A few other spots across the province today. Chilly for Williams Lake with minus 2. The Peace getting up to minus 4. Areas near Campbell River at 7. And Victoria today up to 8 degrees. Currently sitting at a 6 out of the airport with a few clouds and northwesterly wind at 15 kilometers per hour. And here's a glance. If you're planning on heading out to the Santa Claus Parade, it kicks off at noon tomorrow. Temperatures will be sitting closer to 6 with the light easterly wind at 10 kilometers per hour. We've got plenty of sunshine. It's going to be a dry day for tomorrow and we'll continue to see those conditions for the evening. But overnight, it'll be chilly once again with temperatures just hovering the freezing mark. So keep that in mind as we get in towards our Monday. We are going to be looking at frosty conditions. Satellite and a bit of moisture still across the central and southern sections of the island. Isolated showers. That'll clear out, though, by the morning hours tomorrow. And we are looking at a dry day. Interior sections will have some valley cloud and fog for the morning hours. And then it'll dissipate. We're back into some sunshine once again. We've got an Arctic high that's in place. And this will be the main weather feature that we follow. I've put this all the way in towards the end of next week. What we'll see is cool Arctic air and outflow winds and very chilly temperatures right across the province for the next little while. The peace tomorrow at minus 7, some morning fog patches, chilly over the next three days, but dry. Whitehorse, the wind chill for the early morning hours at minus 23. And then throughout the day tomorrow, it'll be feeling closer to minus 15. Along the coast, windy conditions, temperatures up to 4. Most areas for the caribou and central interior will see that morning fog, afternoon sunshine. Chilly on Tuesday as we look ahead with only a high of minus 7. Columbia and Kootenai region, fog for the morning hours, sunshine for the afternoon. A high still above the freezing mark tomorrow at 3. And the tops in Okanagan. So we'll see that valley cloud and fog for the morning hours, sunshine by the afternoon. Wind chill for Whistler tomorrow morning, feeling closer to minus 6. And a few spots across the island 
northern and central sections will also see some morning fog patches dissipating. We're into some sunshine and our five-day forecast, fantastic right across the board. It's really Tuesday, Wednesday, some of the cooler days, even Thursday, and our overnight lows will be below the freezing mark. I'll leave you with this great shot with our weather window this evening. And this was sent in from Pressy Lake. Thank you so much, Lorna. Jordan? Excellent. Thanks, Yvonne. A Calgary man is meeting a family today that he never knew he had. And it's all thanks to a genealogy test. Global's Felicia Perillo was on hand for the emotional reunion. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> it was a moment Robert Bowles never thought would ever happen. Thank you, family. Yes, Good to see you. Meeting his half-sister, along with dozens of other family members whom he never even knew existed, for the very first time. Everybody, this is Robert. Bowles was born in Montreal back in 1957. He was abandoned, eventually ending up with a foster family. He says he has lived his life never giving too much thought to his real birth parents. That was until last fall when he did a genealogy test and was matched with Glazer's family. It was surreal, to say the least. Uh, it was uh, exciting, a little bit nervous, but uh, exhilarating because uh, this is something that I never expected. Glazer says after having some conversations with family members, she believes her father, who passed away years ago, likely had a relationship with another woman before her parents were married. She doesn't think her dad ever knew about bowels, and though it took this long for them to find each other, she says she's just happy he's here now. It's just very overwhelming, right, to be in this kind of situation where all of a sudden you have a half-brother, which is crazy. Welcome, welcome, Bowles never got the chance to meet his birth mother either, who has also passed. But through Glazer, he now knows that on his father's side alone, he has four half-siblings, over a dozen aunts and uncles, and 45 cousins. When I finally came to, to say hi to him, I... It was an interesting moment, you know. Uh, I felt some. I felt like I. I felt like he was family right then and there, and and I. I saw my father in him, and it was interesting. Bowles already has plans to visit his siblings again this summer, but for now they're going to soak in this moment. They say they have a lot of catching up to do. Felicia Perillo, Global News, Montreal. And welcome back. We'll start with our sports. The Canucks were glad to say goodbye to November thanks to a rash of injuries. They went 3-8-3 and three last month. They went from first in the division down to sixth. They are starting to get some players back. Word is veteran Jay Beagle will return Tuesday after missing six weeks with a broken forearm. Today, Canucks continued their homestand against Dallas. Brock Besser has been back for a couple games. Two goals in his last outing against Vegas. Anders Nilsson starting in goal, and he was sharp early. Nice save off Jamie Benn. The Victoria product always brings it when he comes to Vancouver. Canucks open the scoring. Former star Antoine Roussel bounces it over to Bo Horvat, who bats it past Ben Bishop. Horvat's 12th of the year, but just his second on home ice, one nothing Canucks. Bo has been the most consistent Canucks this year. So solid. Late first, Nelson, nice acrobatic move with the blocker to keep that one out. one nothing Canucks after one. Second period, Elias Petrosan springs Brock Besser on the breakaway. Besser stopped by Bishop, remains 
1-0 through two. Third period, Canucks playing good hockey, but with under 10 minutes to go, Dallas does tie it. Jamie Benn pokes in a loose puck. Now, the Canucks challenged for goalie interference. They thought uh, Tyler Sagan made contact with Nilsson's stick right there. A close call, but it goes the Stars' way. It's a good goal, 1-1. Then under four to go, Jamie Benn will strip the puck off Marcus Granlund and set up Alex Radulov, 2-1 stars. Travis Green has seen this movie before. Final minute, Canucks have a chance to tie, but Besser's shot off the glove of Bishop and then off the post. Canucks lose again. Third straight home loss, 2-1 stars win. Sharks and Senators, an emotional return to Ottawa for Eric Carlson, 627 games with Ottawa over nine seasons, video tribute and a rousing ovation from the fans in Ottawa. But it was all Senators in this one, second period. Ben Harper scores his first NHL goal. I'll never forget that one, two on Ottawa. Then in the third, three on one, Mark Stone fires it in. Six or six to the final, Ottawa beats Eric Carlson and the Sharks. Jets and Devils, Patrick Laine had 18 goals in November, 13 in his last six games, had five alone in the game last Saturday. Down a goal, the Jets, but Blake Wheeler sets up Mark Scheifele for the one-timer. Laine's yet to score, but the Jets lead it 3-2 in the third. Leafs and Wild, William Nylander had to sign or get traded today or miss the remainder of the season, and the Leafs signed him. Six years, 41.4 million. I guess it was worth the wait. He'll be in the lineup next week. Leafs doing fine without him. Mitch Marner to Austin Matthews. Another rocket to the top, to top corner. 13th goal in 13 games this year for Matthews. 1-0. Then Mitch Marner with the shot deflects in off the glove of Zach Hyman. Two assists for Marner. 3-3 in the third. NBA tonight. Raptors on the road in Cleveland. Cleveland 4-17. Last place without LeBron James. Serge Ibaka with the dunk here. No uh, Kyle Lowry today out with a bit of a sore back, giving him a rest against the cellar dwellers, but Kawhi Leonard, two of his 17 in the first half, and the Raptors have the lead right now, 70-53. to They are in the third. HSBC Rugby Sevens from Dubai. Canada went 1-2 and two on day one. So they're on the challenge trophy side. They won their opener over Zimbabwe today on day two. Then in the semis versus France got off to a terrible start. Down 21-0 late first half. But Pat Kay of Duncan, B.C. goes in for the try. 21-5 at the half. Late stages. Victoria's Connor Braid will get a bit of a consolation try for Canada, but they fall 28-12. They finish Dubai with two wins, three losses. Don't forget this March, Vancouver hosts the Rugby Sevens. It was voted last season's best event on the Rugby Sevens calendar. Well, welcome back. After their huge win on the road last week in Carolina, the Seahawks now have to take care of business at home. Four of their final five are at CenturyLink starting tomorrow against Richard Sherman and the two and eight or two and nine rather 49ers. Our shutdown corner, Chanel has more in the red zone. After that thriller in Carolina, the Seahawks are in great shape to snatch one of the two NFC wildcard spots. They're 6-5, and five, play four of the next five at the friendly confines of CenturyLink Field, and two of those remaining games are against the 49ers, a team they've owned in recent years.
Since Jimmy Garoppolo went down with an injury, the 49ers have lost 8 of 9 and are giving up 27 points a game, 6th worst in the NFL. Now after winning his first start, Nick Mullins has struggled. He's thrown 4 interceptions and has been sacked 4 times in just the last 2 weeks. Now the 49ers have allowed 35 sacks, 5th most in the NFL, and now face a Hawks side with 5 sacks in the last 2 weeks. The only bright side for San Fran, Matt Breda and George Kittle. Now the running back has rushed for over 100 yards in two straight games and is number three in the NFL with an average of almost six yards a carry. The tight end leads the team in receiving with 823 yards, but he'll need to find open space against a ball-hawking secondary. And by the way, the Niners are winless on the road and sit second last in turnover differential, a whopping minus 17. Over the last three weeks, Tyler Lockett has 15 catches on 16 targets, a couple of touchdowns, and he's made some clutch receptions for Seattle. Lockett has four grabs of more than 40 yards this season. His eight touchdowns put him fifth among receivers, and now he faces a San Fran defense who's allowed 23 touchdowns through the air, fourth most in the NFL. And that's great news for Russell Wilson, who has seven touchdowns and no interceptions in the last three games. And in the last two weeks, Wilson has been deadly, completing 70% of his throws. Now the Niners have given up 27 or more points eight times a season. Wilson could make it nine. The Seahawks are favored by 10, haven't lost to San Fran in five years, and have won seven straight at CenturyLink Field. Big day for high school football at uh, BC Place. All the Subway Bowl championships. Grade 8 uh, title goes to Van College. They beat St. Thomas Moore. GW Graham wins the AA Junior Varsity over Windsor. AAA Junior Varsity. Kelowna wins over Belmont. Charles LeMay has five touchdowns for Vernon as they lead Bateman in the third quarter in the double senior A varsity and the AAA Senior Varsity. Mount Doug New West. That goes at 7. We'll have highlights of that one at 11. Bronze medal match at the U-17 Women's Soccer World Cup, Canada, New Zealand. A nightmare start for Canada. 17 seconds in, a mix-up with the keeper and defender. New Zealand knock it into the empty net. Canada down very early, then later in the half, the Kiwis add another. But this is legitimate. A great strike by Grace Wisniewski. 2-0 New Zealand at the half. Now Canada got one back on another terrific strike. It's Lara Kazanagin, the left footer into the corner, but that's all Canada got as they fall one short. 2-1 New Zealand win. Canada finishes fourth. Great tournament for them, but I'm sure they would have loved to win that bronze. Premier League, front-running Manchester City, hosting Bournemouth at the Etihad. 57th minute, tied at one. City take the lead. Raheem Sterling netting the rebound. 2-1 Man City. And they add some insurance late. Ilkay Gadogan completing Leroy Sané's work. City win 3-1, their sixth straight victory. They're now five points clear of Liverpool atop the table, although Liverpool can get closer with a win tomorrow. Manchester United in action at Southampton. United fell behind 2-0, but late in the half, Marcus Rashford. Some hard work here sets up Romelu Lukaku. Lukaku's first goal in 12 matches. 
2-1 at that point. Then in the second half, it's Rashford again with the great hustle. He sets up under Herrera. 2-2 this one ends. Just a point for Jose Marino's side, who are now 16 points behind City for first place as Man United sits seventh in the standings. Hero World Challenge from the Bahamas, 18-man field, and Tiger Woods stands in 18th place. He's dead last after three rounds. Tiger even par today, although this was one of his better shots. His tee ball on the 17th led to a birdie, but he's had a couple of blow-up holes this week that have cost him. Three-way tie at the top. Tony Finau, John Rahm, Henrik Stenson all at 13-under. Finau drives the 294-yard short par four. Kind of a three-quarter three-wood for Finau, who made the birdie there. Final round tomorrow from the Bahamas. And back to the Canucks, sort of. You were looking at the members of the Vancouver Titans eSports team taking part in the Overwatch League. It's video gaming. These guys play the game together in very large stadiums around the world. Millions watch. It's very popular in Asia. And now Vancouver's a part of it. By the way, all the Titans players are from Korea. They don't speak any English, but they can play Overwatch very well. But no home games here at Rogers Arena for another year yet. Next year in 2020, we're moving to a, a, a more traditional model where it'll be a, a home and away games and people will, the, the team will play and live in Vancouver and we'll, we'll try to, you know, maybe play some games in Seattle and Portland as well because those are our territories. So we really want to, you know, identify ourselves as a Pacific Northwest team and, and capture all that fan and all, the, all those audiences. That's right. Millions of people watch those guys to play video games. Here's a look at your conditions on the mountains. Whistler Blackcomb with a base of 68 and 4 new centimeters of snow. Sasquatch opening December 15th. Revelstoke open today with a base of 120 centimeters. Fernie with a base of 90 and 7 new centimeters of snow. Whitewater opening December 6th. Big White with a base of 92 and 7 new centimeters. Silver Star with a base of 107 and Sun Peaks 93. Kicking Horse and Mount Washington opening December 7th. Powder King with a base of 100. Okay, we have a really big steer to show you. Move over, knickers and dozers. There's some competition from BC. Six and a half feet tall and um, about 3,000 pounds. Whoa. Wow, this is Buddy from Armstrong in the North Okanagan. At last count, he stands six foot five and a half. His owner got him six years ago as a calf, planning to turn him into steaks. Instead, they bonded. Buddy weighs more than a ton and is so big, he keeps outgrowing his shelter. Buddy has become a bit of a celebrity in the area, with cars always stopping to take pictures with him. Their inseparable bond might be coming to an end, though. You see, Buddy's owner is moving, and he can't take the supersized steer, so whoever buys the property may just inherit one of the world's <laughs> largest pets. That is a lot of beef right there. And it's yeah. a lot of beef. Oof. I wonder if he comes if you call his name. Yeah. <laughs> do, right? Like, I, I would think so. Well, you can't miss him, right? You can never... Right. He, he, can't never sneak go, up, he can't sneak up no, on you. No, he can't go missing. <laughs> That's shadow castle. Yeah. <laughs> Big day, Santa Claus Parade tomorrow? Yes, kicking off at 12. Do bundle up. It's going to be chilly, but plenty of sunshine or long-range forecast and very cool as we get into uh, mid-next week. But enjoy the Santa Claus Parade. Things kick off at noon tomorrow. Sunshine across the board. Can't complain. All right. Thanks for watching. That is the news hour. Hope to see you at 11. Good night.